Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Retro Mega Podcast. I'm your host Ian and as always I am here with Craig. Hello Craig. Hi Ian, how's it going? Uh, not too bad, how are you? Yeah, pretty good, yeah, pretty good. Okay, so we're back second time this year. Hopefully we'll squeeze one more in later in the year. It's been very busy trying to get round to this, even though we tried to pick a relatively shorter show, 26 episodes, <laughs> to make it a bit easier, but it didn't seem to uh, didn't seem to help too much. But uh, anyway, yeah. life uh, is always we'll getting on. in the way of late for us. But never mind, we'll we'll get exactly, there. Exactly, we'll, yeah. we're still producing stuff just at a a bit of a slow rate. <laughs> Yeah, we're not bit, dead yet. Just never quite, never quite as fast as we want it to go. But no. hey ho, we're still here. We're still producing. So uh, a few things to talk about before we get uh, into the main content of today. So something that was quite exciting for Craig and I back in July, we were interviewed for um, NHK World Show called Anime Manga Explosion. They were doing a show about uh, sort of legendary mecha designers and they focused on uh, Kunio Okawara and Shoji Karamori. And uh, I was contacted by Ann Yamamoto of the production company Directions who make the show. And they were looking for some Western voices and they had come across the podcast and seen some of the content and reached out and said, uh, could we interview you to talk about Shoji Karamori? And we said, yes. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We don't mind talking about uh, stuff we love. For <laughs> no, uh, yeah, the program aired on NHK World back at the end of July. We'll put a message out with this podcast, and we've got a link up on the blog as well. Um, but it was really interesting, wasn't it, Craig? It was a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we didn't really have much time to prepare beforehand, so it was all a bit sort no. of nerve wracking. But yeah, it went well, and. You know, the nature of TV being what it is, you know, we were interviewed for about an hour, but very little of that was used. But we were still very happy with what the finished result was. So overall, a really positive experience. And the people um, we were working with were really nice and, you know, just put us at ease. And it was it was a good experience. Yeah, really yeah, enjoyed it. Was, it. Yeah, it was really interesting. So um, as you say, it was very, very kind of last minute. I literally had an email on the Monday and they were like uh, can you record this week and then Wednesday morning we did the interview with them there was the uh, show's director and one of the other production assistants yeah so but it was uh, yeah they were very pleased with the content like you say we got interviewed for an hour and they've used about 40 seconds of it or something but uh, you know fans from around the world we are fans from around the world And the overall uh, program is pretty good, you know. If you yeah. if you've got any interest into the background of um, of uh, these these uh, designers, then you're going to get a lot out of this. Um, especially, you know, when they they talk about their their approach to design and that sort of thing. I think it was it was a really good program overall. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'll put the links out. If you go onto NHK World's website, uh, you can. You can find it on there if you you search for programs and find anime manga explosion. There's quite. It's a very interesting. So directions do um, two shows. They do anime manga explosion, um, and they do another show called um, the Anime Studio. Um, they're really really informative programs um, in English language, um, either in English or with subtitles, um, where the creators are talking um, in their native tongue. So um, very yeah very informative if you're familiar with nhk programs it's a very very nhk world program there's always like a particular kind style. of style to them yeah um, you know uh, but yeah it's really as craig said 
there you know it's really informative if you're, you're even curious and just know a little bit about them it, you know just within that half an hour it, it does kind of give you quite a quite a good background um to it so um but it was just very cool to kind of be involved and say yes i've been on japanese tv talking about um anime so um yeah, absolutely. Just honoured to be a part of it, and uh, what a what a nice surprise it was. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just just yeah, just I don't know, just one of those one of those things you kind of dream about a little bit. You know, it's just be like, oh, it'd be really cool to to do something like that, and and you know, to then the opportunity to kind of spring out of nowhere was just um, very kind of opportunist, really. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, but but very very pleased to be uh, a part of it. Um, so the other thing, um, sort of fairly big news that I do think warrants talking about is um, a couple of months ago, as um, Disc Deck, who've been doing lots and lots of license uh, announcements recently, um, they announced they were bringing SPT Lasner to the West finally. Decades after Bandai Entertainment um, failed to bring it to Western audiences, uh, Disc Deck have finally done it and they're bringing a Blu-ray set out. Um, that's got the TV series and OVAs in it, which I'm very, very excited about because I, I, it's one of those shows that I'm very, very keen to own a physical copy of. You know, I've seen it three times now. I've been kind of holding off talking about it um, because yeah. we've already done a Ryusuke Takahashi show when we did um, Galeon. Um But I think uh, now there's a proper Western release, we ought to uh, yeah, review Laser yeah. now. Yeah, it's a bit of a gap in my mega education. It's probably one of the only prominent shows that he did that I've not actually seen yet. But for the reason that we we're going to discuss it, I've kind of held off on it, and I'm quite looking forward to to uh, doing a deep dive into that. Yeah, it's a it's a very very interesting show. It's a show of two halves, which we'll talk about more. So when once it gets released, um, that's something we'll definitely. I, I mean, I've seen it three times um, before, so this will end up being my fourth watch of it. But it's um, it is a good. It is a good show, so um, cool. yeah, I look um, forward to excited. that one. Um, I am still waiting for a Blu-ray release of Elgheim. You know, Elgheim still seems to be the only show really from that eighties sunrise boom that that hasn't seen Blu-ray yeah. uh, in Japan yet, which the kind I find of extraordinary. It's kind of the Western mecha white whale. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, and until there's a Discotech, to their credit, have, have you know taken and, and released the, the first Blu-ray of a lot of kind of films and OVAs, but not TV series. You know, I think mm. maybe a you know a fifty-episode TV series is is possibly a a bit of a stretch for them to to take on the whole remastering and, and everything. Um, yeah, so until there's a Japanese Blu-ray of Elgin, you know, I just we're not going to see a, a Western release of it. So uh, you know, Made in Japan and Sentai have done. Idian and or a battle of Dunbine and yeah, I'm still still waiting for that. I'm still waiting for a Blu-ray release of um, Detonator Organ in Japan as well. Love yeah, to see that, that would in, be in that would be lovely, especially since the old DVD is looking a bit uh, worse for wear now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's really it's, sure, a it's really a bit rough around the edges. It's kind of <laughs> one of those dawn of DVD releases that uh, it you, you just it's a bit painful to watch now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know Masami Abari on Twitter. He keeps or X, as we should call it. Well, I mean, what is that all about? I just, <laughs> um, he keeps saying, "Oh, when when's it going to get a Blu-ray release?" It's quite interesting to see actually how the directors, how much possibly little influence they have on that. 
Yeah. Um, I guess it's all uh, the company and rights and those sorts of issues, yeah. isn't it? Whether whether they think it's um, given that Zio Rymer and um, Dangayo have got Blu-ray releases, um, I'm very very surprised Detonator Organ didn't mm. um, get a Blu-ray release so far. But fingers crossed, we can yeah. hope. We can absolutely, hope. absolutely. move on to today's content so we are going to review the original 1975 show space night techerman so we'll go we'll dive into a bit a little bit of background and context and then we'll do our usual thing our first episode review and then dive into the rest of the series so uchu no kishi techerman space night techerman as its literal translation or techerman the space night as it's most commonly known in the west is a 26 episode TV show that aired between the 2nd of July 1975 and the 24th of December 1975. Now, it should have been a 52 episode TV series, but it got cancelled halfway through due to poor ratings, which is something which we will kind of talk about, I'm sure, as part of our um, main series review. Uh, it was produced by Tatsunoko Productions. Uh, it was directed by Hiroshi Sakugawa, who was, you know, one of the main directors at uh, Tatsunoko, and Hisayuki Toriyumi of Gatchaman fame, another kind of legendary Tatsunoko director. It was created by the Yoshida brothers, who created Tatsunoko Productions as a studio. Character designs by Yoshitaka Amano, another kind of legendary Tatsunoko character designer. Music was by Bob Sakuma and mechanical design was by none other than Kunio Okawara. It did actually get a very, very limited release, I think in the 2000s in the US. Uh, it had a stab on it and VHS, actually, I think that was back um, back in the 80s or something. Uh, yeah, I remember sitting by... hearing about that and seeing some images of the uh, US video sleeves online. Um, so that was by uh, William Winkler Productions, who was trying to do something similar to Sandy, Frank. what he did with, um, you know, Gatchaman and Battle of the Planets um, back in the in the seventies, and the uh, the Force Five, uh, Jim Terry Force Five series as well. It then got a, a second attempt by Anime Souls, who who streamed it effectively. You could watch it online, and then there was this weird kind of crowdfunding element to it to get a DVD set released but again it, it never saw the light of day unfortunately um, and that's kind of it and it's never been it's never been released again very checkered history um, really in terms of uh, 
getting a release yeah. out there. It's quite a strange one. It is quite a strange one because um, it does have, um, you know, if we kind of talk about its place in anime history, so it comes early on in that run of big sci-fi mecha shows from Tatsunoko Productions that started with Gatchman in 1972. As I said, Toriyumi, he's a Yuki um, who would direct Gatchaman, Gatchaman 2 and Gatchaman Fighter. He also directed um, Hurricane Polymer, which came directly before Tekkerman. and would also do Go Appa 5 Godam, which would come in the years after Tekkerman. And Sasagawa, I mean, he was kind of an absolute... Tatsunoko Stalwart, you know, he he directed Mark Go Go Go, known as Speed Racer in the West, Kashan. He directed all of the um, Time Bokan series that started yeah. um, in 75 and ran all the way into the 80s. A lot of flagship You know, shows. he was still producing, yeah. He directed all sorts of stuff, you know, he was still making stuff um, at Tatsunoko well into the 80s as well. So, but it's just an interesting point because it's, as we said, you had Gatchaman. Then you had Kashan, then Hurricane Polymer, then Tekaman, and then the Time Bokan series. And it kind of sits in that kind of weird spot. And it's, it's one of those things I always wonder. 75 was at that peak. You know, we've talked about this on previous shows where the absolute super robot anime boom on TV through the, through the mid-70s. And it's uh, one of those things I wonder if it got lost a little bit, which um, we'll talk about um, a little bit more. But... It was in that run of sort of big uh, Tatsunoko shows. Yeah. It came out at it possibly not the best time, considering all the things that surrounded it. Yeah, exactly. So before we get into our review of the first episode, Craig, what was your introduction to Tekkerman? Well, I think um, probably around uh, sort of late 90s, early 2000s, I was researching you know, companies uh, that produced stuff that I liked, like, for example, Gatchaman. I was a big, uh, I've always been a big Gatchaman fan since being a kid with Battle of the Planets being uh, mm. a sort of staple of uh, viewing and probably my first introduction to anime that was. When I was researching things to do with it and, you know, you know, figuring out what other stuff Tatsunoko had done, I remember seeing a lot of, uh, you know, artwork and stuff online and, and kind of, you know, researching it that way. But I hadn't actually seen the original series till recently. Um, I was first introduced to to Tekman via Tekman Blade, but I've, that made us want to check out the original one. So I'd seen the sort of designs and the artwork and stuff. And I remember there was a there was a Tatsunoko versus Capcom game on the uh, Wii, mm, the, the yeah, versus yeah, fighting game. Yeah. That had like yeah. mini games in it, and one of the uh, mini games was he plays uh, Tekman and you have to throw the Tech Lancer at um, the Waldaster ships. So that was probably oh, my right. first introduction to the actual uh, anime itself. But yeah, I'd, but I'd, um, I'd seen stuff about it online and that, but I hadn't actually gotten around to the original until uh, until we uh, recorded this episode. I first got introduced to it via the Super Robot Encyclopedia. Um, has a whole section about Tekkerman and then Tekkerman Blade. It was based on, you know, a 70s Tatsunoko Same, show. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that was kind of like, oh, what's this? You know, you could kind of see the, on the pictures in the book, you could kind of see the resemblance and Yeah, there's stuff. definitely some similarities um, to, the, to the original. Yeah, and then I kind of, it was one of those things I I had, like most people really, had watched Tickerman Blade. I had the uh, Media Blasters box set of that back in the late 2000s or whatever. Um, and then, like you say, the the... I saw it again in the uh, in the Wii game, and I watched the 
God, I did have a subscription thing to that Anime Souls thing. I was a bit disappointed that none of what they did actually materialised yeah. into any kind of physical um, media, which was really frustrating. So I remember watching a few episodes on it there, but never, but never finished it. Um, and then the only time, again, my first kind of viewing of it was, uh, you know, watching it in full for this for this review as well. So yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. It's there, and I think most people will know it from Tekken and Blade. And it turned up in that Infinity Force sort of yes, the sort of Tatsunoko, um, you know, best of Tatsunoko show. It show. appeared and you know had a crossover show as well. So most, I imagine, a lot of very sort of modern fans who weren't you know maybe not familiar with either seventies or nineties sort of mecha anime would would probably have seen it either in the game or I say very recently in um, Infinity Force. So. Uh, yeah, it's one of those curios. You know, it's interesting it still crops up in that Wii game, you know, and it still crops up in, you know, Infinity Force, but it's not... But the original hasn't. But it didn't do very well back in the day yeah. sort of thing, mm. you know, but it's still kind of like beloved at Tatsunoko. Mm. Um, it's very curious. Yeah, they definitely, as a company, uh, do, don't forget about their properties. You know, they're always uh, bringing stuff no, out in no. art exhibitions and that sort of thing and celebrating their, their legacy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, right, let's move on to our review of the first episode. Right, so let's delve into the first episode and uh, kind of see how that sets up the uh, rest of the series. So I'll run through kind of the key points of the episode and then uh, we'll we'll kind of talk into it. So at the start of the episode, we see the Space Angel spacecraft on the edge of the solar system where Dr. Minami is lamenting about how dirty the Earth is and how it won't last much longer after the nuclear explosion. Um, and they have to make the space expansion project work. And then they are attacked by some mysterious alien force. After this, we get introduced to our main protagonists, Joji, who is Dr. Minami's son, and Dr. Amachi and his daughter, Hiromi. Joji's father is on board the Space Angel and is killed in the attack. After this, we then get some exposition from Dr. Amachi as he shows Joji his secret lab and explains that the Earth Purity Plan, uh, which is a plan to kind of recover the Earth, has been called off and Earth has three years left uh, before sort of all life on Earth dies and they are looking for a second Earth, but now aliens are approaching. Dr. Amachi shows Joji Pegasus, and the Blue Earth. So Pegasus, a large robot, and Blue Earth, a, a ship that carries Pegasus, and shows him the Texet system in Pegasus and how the uh, human has to be exceptional to become a Tekaman. And Joji has the right stuff, and that it might take 10 to 30 years for normal humans to evolve to become Tekaman. After this, an alien lands on Earth in a meteorite and materialises in a human form and starts walking towards the base. Joji is testing Pegasus and the alien sees him and starts talking to him. The alien seems to know everything about what is happening on the Earth and starts taunting Joji and they start fighting. Hiromi sees this and stops them. The aliens attack the space station and Joji sees Dr. Amachi as he wants to join the Earth Defence Unit but Dr. Amachi won't let him. This leads to Joji stealing the Blue Earth and heading out into space where he finds Hiromi has snuck aboard as well, and they start fighting the alien spacecraft. Joji enters Pegasus and becomes Tekaman. Joji as Tekaman and Pegasus defeat the aliens and return to Earth. 
The alien introduces himself as Andromeda and explains that the alien alliance, the Wilderstar, want to wipe out all humans. Then we get a little bit of narration sort of summarising the episode and that closes the episode. So that's kind of the basic plot. Um, I think it's... Craig, I think this is a fairly standard opener. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's... um, It is very sort of... It is very reminiscent of its time in some ways. I mean, it's... um, it sets, But it does set everything up uh, quite well in terms yeah. of the characters. We get a decent, uh, we get a decent look into each character and their motivations and things. Obviously, Georgie wanting revenge for his father and that sort of thing. It definitely sets that sort of stuff up well. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it it, it introduces all the key things. So you see Joji, you see his motivation because he's you know he's listening to his father dies. Although I do think he isn't that upset about his father dying. If I'm honest, <laughs> yeah. It's the, like... the reaction to it isn't the uh, most powerful. You know, there's no sort of like. Yeah. Uh, there's no like no or kind of uh, yeah. swearing of uh, vengeance immediately. Um, no, it's kind of uh, it's, you know that that's sort of when he when he steals the blue earth later in the episode. It is more about uh, you know it's sort of uh, thwarting the aliens and stuff. But he but there's no real scene where he he sort of uh, you know he shows like a lot of grief, is there? It's quite it's quite yeah strange, yeah. <laughs> there's this kind of one scene where he's kind of. You know, agonizes over it for a split second, and then and then that's it. That's you know. right. Yeah, um, it does show it, but quite briefly. Yeah, you're quite right. But it's a very, but it's like it's like very brief. It just it's like he's just not. It just doesn't seem that bomb. That's you know, right. there's no he betrayal. Has, he has like a sort of uh, official expression that looks like it's got a bit of sort of uh, pain and regret for a second. Then he seems to be back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it is good at setting up this uh, thing with the. Um, you know the the project uh, that's yeah. the former project to uh, to restore the Earth to its former glory. It's now been abandoned, and they're now just search yeah. for a new planet. Basically, um, that is kind of the uh, the, the spec of it. But but also um, Amachi's kind of uh, introduction of Pegasus as not only a sort of uh, not only a robot that can help them explore space, but is also like this chamber which yeah. uh, somebody can enter. But they need to they need to have the right wavelengths, as he describes it, which is like some yeah. sort of I don't know if it's something within your DNA or something. It's not very well explained, but they do yeah, say that, never... that humans can evolve to all become yeah. that eventually. But there are certain exceptional people who right now could possibly become the techman. And it's it's not and you know it, it's it's an unusual one because it's one of these things that and it's the same in a lot of seventies anime and uh, and also some Tokusatsu stuff as well. Where the nature of the transformation is not like massively explained. I mean, yes. as we get more into the series, it does seem more like Armix. There are scenes where it gets damaged and it comes off in pieces, and um, and it and it is like a sort of cybernetic suit type thing. Yeah. But the way they talk about it, it's more as if it's like you know, it's kind of like something within the actual uh, body, like something within DNA or something within your makeup, within your yeah, genetic yeah, makeup. that's right, yeah. Yeah, because it's quite different, you know. If again, kind of talking about the context, in that, you know, compared to all the other super robot that, as we said earlier, was you know on this, you know, on this ascendancy through through the mid seventies, um, it isn't a super robot, you know. It's yeah. a powered suit, um, which you know, it's one of those things. It's still mecha, but it's a very different type of mecha. It's it's very kind of different. 
Georgie's essentially inside the kind of Tekkerman suit. Yeah. Although he's he has that those sort of creepy kind of pupilless eyes when he's Tekkerman, doesn't he? Which is quite Yeah. Which are quite eerie. That quite often shows these sort of close ups of his uh of <laughs> his kind of lifeless eyes. <laughs> and really, you know, that's kind of in keeping with what was, you know, the previous um Tatsunoko stuff, you know, Kashan, Polymer, Gatchaman, they're not big mecha, you know, they're yeah. people in sort of smaller powered kind of suit stuff. It's not they're not what you know, they're not Mazinga or Get a um Get a yeah. Robo or anything, you know. There's human so, heroes um, who've been augmented by sort of like you know, technology and abilities and suits and things that they can just carry around with them rather than having to summon a big robot. Yeah. Well, it's interesting uh, because it's such a departure from the shows we've discussed before. I mean, this is our first yes. foray into the kind of cyber suit, powered suit genre. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that was, you know, a point I was going to make as well, is that, yeah, you know, this is, this is very different to um, what we've reviewed before, where traditionally um, it has been, um, you know, a, a robot rather than like the powered suit sort of kind of stuff. So the uh, transformation scene is something. Uh, it's actually quite scary, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, it's definitely. You know, it's almost like a little bit of body horror as he's kind of in there, and the, you know the the strapping or you know the they're wire, kind of like or whatever it is, tendrils that kind yeah. of wrap around him, and they seem to like yeah. cause him a lot of pain. Yeah, they wrap around his whole body, and even because obviously being the sort of show that it is, they use that transformation sequence again and again, so you see the same piece of animation. But he's he never doesn't he never like sort of change it so he doesn't look startled by it. I mean the bobs yeah. eventually even cover his face and head yeah. before the Tekkerman mask appears. So there is this kind of like it it's sort of um, you know things like the Giver and stuff like that much later which yeah. would do yeah. things like that where the protagonist's a bit horrified by the initial transformation. Yeah. And yes, as the... as you say, there is a bit of a sort of the, the kind of body horror esque about it, definitely. Because that scene reminds me of um, a scene in Superman three. Oh yes, I know exactly which one you're going to mention. Yeah. Where yeah, so so for those of you who don't remember, Superman three is a terrible film, and I wouldn't really recommend it. Um, although I did used to quite like it at the time. It's not as good as Superman one and two. They were talking about Christopher Reeve as Superman here back in the you know late seventies, early eighties. But basically, the the kind of premise in Superman 3 is that um, these three kind of bad guys um, build this supercomputer out in the desert somewhere. Yeah. And uh, there was a scene where the the female baddie um, gets the supercomputer kind of goes sentient and starts you know. Assimilating uh, basically doesn't it? Yeah it's, it grabs her and pulls a, pulls a woman into it because it's protecting itself as they try to shut it down and all the rest of it and it pulls her into the machine, and and you see it start stitching mechanical panels and stuff. Her, yeah, mechanical, and she comes out as this like cyborg. And you know, I mean, I was probably only six or seven, and it, like that scene used to like properly terrify me. I was quite disturbed by that when I was a kid as well. It's funny how some of the you know you have these conversations uh, as an adult years later, and you find that similar scenes in uh, in movies yeah. like unsettled you, and that was exactly the same for me, and. And it's funny, I didn't actually think of that at the time um, when uh, when watching Tekkerman, but I can totally see what you mean. Yeah, it's um, I still it is quite a freaky sort of uh, scene, and it's just the sort of idea of, of that, like you know, yeah, of being 
having these kind of mechanical parts fused to you it's it's just such a disturbing idea isn't it really yeah that's right and it's um and when i saw it i because I, I still think i have a slight bit of ptsd about that scene in, in <laughs> superman 3 i think it it was on telly there's a, there's a lot of um, movies like that that i've got things that are from where i probably shouldn't have watched it when i did when i was a kid but sometimes much more adult stuff <laughs> yeah and it was on it was repeated um I think it was on telly like late last year or something, and I, I recorded it on the on the record the box. I remember watching it again, and that scene came. I, I still, come here, and it came on, and it still there was still you know even There's a little bit of trepidation. I know exactly yeah, what you, you know, mean. For, There's loads of forty movies years that I get, afterwards. There's loads of movies that I get that with where I'm like, I can watch it fine because I'm an adult now, but I've got this little little tiny bit of trepidation when it comes on screen. I'm like, oh yeah, this is the bit. This is it. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> and when it happened, you know, I still had that pang of yeah. that, you know, yeah. um, you know, not scared, but there was that pang of, you know, apprehension. Like, oh, I, I still apprehension. I still don't like. And, and when she, because it's the, the main bit is like, as she's dragged in and she's the fear and then the computer starts patching the bits on it. It was just, and when it was happened again, I was just like, oh yeah, this is like still. And as soon as I watched Tekkerman mm-hmm. and I saw that scene, I was just like, it just brought that flashback to like Superman three. I was just like, oh, you know, that's some that's some deep rooted psychological you know? stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hate things in in movies with like body horror where there's like things going into people's eyes and mouths and stuff. Mm, and, like yeah, 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 down their throat and stuff. It's just horrible. Uh, but yeah, it it does it definitely does have like a sort of disturbing element to it. It's you know it seems like he's in his transformation isn't isn't easy it's like causes them pain every single yeah, time yeah yeah um because it's still you know we talk about this every episode but it's still 70s mm. like brutality mm. you know even in this first episode you know yeah. the way people get blown up and vaporized there's, and there's a and lot whatever, of civilian you know. deaths in this show like yeah. a lot of them shown in quite a lot of detail <laughs> yeah um but yeah i think it does the right thing like say you know that that exposition from Dr. Amar, um, Dr. Amici, you know, explaining that, um, you know, the whole premise of what's happening on earth and like that, it quite, quite succinctly kind of covers all that in it's, you know, 21 minutes. So, yeah. uh, although we should probably yeah. uh, put a finer point on the fact that, you know, he's, although there's this, the scene where, um, Amachi says that he can't, uh, join the uh, earth defense force. Um, I don't think we mentioned it, he says that he wants him to follow in his father's footsteps and just sort of pave the way for this yeah, that's true. second yeah, that's Earth right. project. That's right. So he doesn't actually yeah. want him to fight and become a Tekkerman. He just wants him to uh, to sort of scout out this second Earth and be, I suppose, be head of that project. Yeah. Seemingly like his, his dad apparently was. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I think I think it does. Let's say I think it does a good job. I mean, it's a seven out of ten for me as a first episode. Um, it's you know it does everything right. Um, Andrew Amida's appearance is like well, there's definitely a lot more going on with him. You know this this mysterious alien. Yeah, that makes it quite intriguing, uh, to, especially towards the end. The other thing that's quite funny on that just when him and Joji are fighting, they're probably laying into each other. As well. <laughs> 
It's like a full-on scrap. It's, it's not like a little a little punch. They are is, properly kicking the crap out of each other. That is one thing that all the Tatsunoko shows um, where there's, there's like a, a real sort of punch-up seem to do. There's like bits where people are like really sort of gut-punching each other and like kidney-punching each other, you know, kicking yeah. each other on the floor and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> there's there's bits where people get kind of toe-punted across the room and into a wall and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think Gatchaman did a good job uh, in showing you the kind of impact of like punches because there's, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, there's the, um, <laughs> there's one of the characters is a particularly angry young man and kind of takes it out on the uh, Galacta agents, punching them within an inch of their life, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that definitely reminded me of that. Um, yeah, there's some probably full-on sort of uh, full-on violence in it, really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it 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 is a decent first episode. It you know introduces the characters and concepts fairly well, and it's it's fairly well paced. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe it lacks something to make it a truly like memorable first episode. You know, maybe because it is so much of its time and it's so familiar in many ways. Yeah. Um, that it doesn't really stand out as being massively special. I would probably go with about a... I'll go similar to you, I'll go about a six and a half, I think. Yeah, like I say, it's not... It's not an episode where it's like, I have got to, got to, got to see episode two episode and the rest right of this now. series. Yeah. yeah, we've reviewed quite a few shows where it's it's like literally, let, I'm going to watch this right now. <laughs> I'm going gonna, gonna to drop everything I'm doing to watch the second episode. But that... Like, although that doesn't make me feel this this way, it's um, it is still a solid sort of uh, yeah. introduction. Yeah, and that's and that's why I think it is. I think it's it's solid. It gives enough in there to kind of set everything up, um, show the you know the main protagonists and stuff. Not give too much away. It's obviously there's lots to that we haven't seen. We've only we only learned that the aliens are the Walder Star at the very end when Andro Omega explains that. So. We're still to learn about them, so uh, you know it still dangles that carrot mm. enough to kind of want to know who they are and, and 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 really you know what their true motivations are, sort of thing. So uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So into our main review and looking at the kind of series as a whole. So from episode two, we get introduced to Dobre, the leader of the Wilderstar. And his general Rambos, uh, leader of the Gander, one of the races of the Wilderstar, um, that is, you know, trying to take over the universe. Um, and then we get into a couple of kind of key kind of running stories, which basically is Rambos's continued assaults of various types to kind of defeat um, the humans and stop them getting into space. Then there's an ongoing story with the sort of Earth Federation and and everything as a whole, um, trying to use the Leap Flight engine to, you know, sort of get out of the solar system and and their attempts with that. Um, and you have this running story between Joji and Andro Umeda, um, where basically Andro's just he's an alien and Joji doesn't trust him, and there's this kind of ongoing mistrust between yeah. them and we get this other character Mutan um, who is from the same planet Sano as uh, Andre Umeda and they're both kind of you know there's this on thing about do they you know selfishly look at trying to get back to Sano with this mm. you know the, the leap flight engine rather than help the humans or do they help the humans um, and that kind of carries on right up until 
the end of the series. In, in episode 25, we get introduced to Tadashi, a young boy who wants to become a Tekkerman. Uh, we have episode 26, and then the series just ends, um, yeah. literally just like that. Um, so they're the kind of main themes that run through the series. And I think, Craig, um, the bit that I kind of really want to tackle first is just mm-hmm. kind of how it runs yeah. to its very abrupt ending um, and the, some of the things that maybe led to it. Because it's quite evident that, you know, unlike shows um, that you saw in the 80s, namely things like uh, Gundam, uh, Lazener, Idion, you know, they all got cancelled prematurely, but kind of got a chance to, to yeah. you know, have an episode of just trying to mm. create, a, you know, an ending where this didn't. It yeah, obviously absolutely. was like, you know, episode 26 evidently is is running, you know, a, a story um, and it just doesn't get continued. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's so strange because... You would expect them to have perhaps, um, you know, tried to sort of um, just spur on the final confrontation that bit earlier. Mm. But the fact that it does just end mid-final battle is such a strange sort of note to end it on because we don't we get a, we get the beginning of a confrontation with Rambos, but not with the leader of the of the uh, Walderstar himself. Yeah. Now I think it's quite evident with the introduction of Tadashi is that mm-hmm. he was supposed to probably become another Tekkerman. Yeah, you know. possibly a successor to Georgie. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's you know, when he turned up, he was like, oh, is he kind of one-off character? Then he turned up again, and it's like, oh, I think that this is the, mm. the start of a, a, you know, a mid-series thread that leads to yeah. another story. Um, and that could have possibly been an interesting end and had, the, had it mm. had this kind of handoff to the next generation of... Because collectively they call the team the Space Knights, and he's always talking to be about wanting yes. to become a member. And uh, had he become like you know part of the next generation of Space Knights, that might have been an interesting, you know, sort of note to end it on. But this, he doesn't get anywhere near that that sort of uh, <laughs> status. You know, <laughs> he basically sneaks around um, using this kind of remote control uh, plane uh, sort of toy yeah. to like kind of um, cause hassle for the Wilderstar and stuff like that. But but he's just kind of you he's not really given much of a chance to kind of um, be integrated into the main cast besides these two sort of small appearances. No, and, you know, fundamentally, you know, again, several sources, you know, say that due to low ratings. And the thing is, it's it's I can kind of understand that because I think it's actually a show that's very, very difficult to kind of review and, and summarise mm. because fundamentally for really that first half of the series, it doesn't move no well the story doesn't really move along a lot yeah it doesn't it's yeah. just joji and andro you made a you know squabbling with each quarreling. other quarreling yeah and then you know rambus's continued you know failed attempts to to get one over the humans constantly being forgiven by Dobre, who constantly like, oh, this is your last chance, your last chance. And it's like, well, you said that in like episode eight and at episode yeah. 25, you're still saying it. Um, yeah. And I think, I think fundamentally, and, and that's like, that is my biggest frustration with it, mm. is yeah. that while it, there are some real highs on this, which we'll kind of come on to, but I think fundamentally it's the, the story, you know, and the humans trying to get this leap flight engine. It's just very, very going. slow. It's kind of, you know, it 
it it keeps on repeating the same beats same continually. Yeah. I mean, I find the story between Andrew and um, and uh, Georgie quite frustrating because there are there are several points that in a regular show would be a turning point where he kind yes. of realizes that he has to trust them or that yeah. he can trust them, and then they go back on that after that, which I just feel is quite terrible, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's there's quite a yeah. there's quite an early episode. Of, I think it's about five or six, something like that. And um, he gives them a real sort of reason to trust him. And there's this understanding between the two, and they have this conversation. Yeah. And it really seems like they've kind of reached an understanding. And then only a couple of episodes later, it's happening again. And you're like, oh Christ, you know, this is exactly this is just terrible, terrible uh, writing through repetition of the same plot line which had supposedly been resolved. Yeah, because it's one of those things that you could understand maybe going for a core, mm-hmm. you know, and then being resolved, and then they would move on, and then like the next sort of arc over the next core would do something with them starting to get together. Because mm-hmm. um, they're at that point where they're kind of going off into space, and, it, and it's just like, well, you could kind of see, but it doesn't. It just, it, and it's almost like they, they had very few, they had like a basic core idea, mm-hmm. um, but then like not much else yeah absolutely because um, you know with the uh, tv stations and the money behind it it's one of those things where it's like and um you know we, we have talked about this before where it's like okay so you've got okay so here's the money and we're going to give you a tv slot for this many episodes and on some of these shows you think you, you can kind of see sometimes it's like well they haven't really got enough ideas or enough story to fill those episodes out yeah um and it goes through so I think definitely the problem is, you know, Gatchman was like really, really good. You know, mm. had some really despite good despite having a huge up. number of episodes as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, in some ways, Gatchman repeats itself quite a bit, but it's so good that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there is there are some story arcs. Not to say that it doesn't have story arcs and ongoing things in its in its hundred plus episodes, but um, this just is repeating a lot of the same, quite sort of meager. Mm. And not very well developed sort of uh, plot ideas. They yeah. aren't really arcs. They're just ideas that keep on repeating themselves and don't really get resolved. Even when, like I say, in the case of Andrew and Georgie, they look like they've been resolved, which is really annoying. Yeah. And then, because then, like, after Gatchman, you then had Kashan, right? <laughs> which is another really good show, you know, really kind of intense you know, really dramatic. It's got really good action and, and stuff. And then you had welcome. this. Um, and it was almost kind of like, they had kind of like, a, I say, a good idea, but um, it wasn't 52 episodes worth of good ideas. There's one thing is like the action is really basic because Tekaman to defeat Wilderster fighter, you know, sort of alien fighter aircraft, it does nothing more than kind of like just fly through them. Yeah, he basically flies through them, slams them into each other, and you know often throws his lance at them, and the one will skewer one of them and go through the other one, and it's kind of like um, it's kind of like Hulk picking yeah, two cars up and yeah. smashing them into each other. You know, it's like that repeated, <laughs> repeated again and again. You know, he's because he's his superhuman strength, he'll pick up ships and just kind of crash them into mm. each other, and that's generally how he takes out most of the sort of fleets and things. Occasionally going into the ships and. Carving the sort of uh, carving the inside of them up, or destroying whatever governs it, like a you know a sort of control system or something. Because the thing is, Gatchaman and Kashan had really good action, mm. um, and I think this has got 
really average action. I actually think it's like it's very basic. It's definitely not its strongest point. Um, you know, and I think there, I think there's a number of things there that you know after you know all the kids and whatever who were watching Tatsunoko shows through the early to mid seventies, maybe it was like, oh, actually, this isn't this isn't so good. And actually, there's a ton of really good super robot shows on the telly from Toei and you know Mm. that are much better than this and I'm going to watch those rather than watch this and that's you know I can really see because I think it was a victim of that mid-70s super robot boom I I really do quite quite possibly because I mean there were so many other good good shows on the Mm. other side of it Um, I can really I can really see that people probably would have just uh, switched over to something that they preferred that was a lot more iconic I feel like you know there's just there's a lot of good ideas in this show, but none of them are implemented pr- particularly well. And yeah. it does just seem like, um, I don't know, like a sort of, uh, like a mishmash of, th- of things that aren't very well sort of uh, developed in. There's there's some good stuff there, but it's just not, yeah. it's not been uh, cooked for long enough, really. No. No, it isn't. It's kind of like, a, it, it's, it does feature some things from some other Tatsunoko shows, but nowhere near as yes. well done. Um, no. With nowhere near as strong a sort of driving force of um, of world building and and kind of um, characterization behind it. Yeah. Because I think that the characters are kind of paper thin as well. A lot of them, you know, there's not all of them, but um, but certainly the they definitely could have done with a lot more stronger um, sort of characterization and motivation behind them. Mm. Yeah, and because um, it's it's quite an interesting time for Tatsunoko because Go Rapper Five Go Dam that came like afterwards um which you know features a mecha that looks a lot like pegasus um whereas like tatsunoko shows had you know if you look at gatchaman keshen hurricane polymer and tekaman were all kind of like powered suity um type yeah. shows um rather than kind of like the super robot stuff that started with mazinga mm-hmm. um there was go apple was very much kind of fallen into that super robot kind of thing you know it was it was much more of a traditional ro- uh, super robot show sure. than what Tatsunoko had done previously so you know it's interesting Tekaman does feel that kind of very pivotal point in Tatsunoko's mm. history um you know and then if you look at the time Boken stuff that came afterwards yeah it was it was like I say it was a very uh very very kind of pivot kind of time for them but it's frustrating because fundamentally there are some really good episodes in it. You know, there were some yeah, really, I mean, really outstanding episodes. In, there was there were quite uh, a few moments where I was kind of, um, I was really falling off with it and I was sort of struggling a little bit mm. thinking this is too repetitive. It's too sort of formulaic. And then something quite good would come along, like, you know, quite an mm. episode with an interesting theme or a sort of interesting um, threat uh, that was quite dark or sort of subversive in some way. Um, or something that thought, oh, right, this could introduce something quite sort of significant. But a lot of these episodes, unfortunately, are kind of one-offs and don't really pick up a thread, which, I mean, there's the one with the uh, the alien girl. Um, yes, yeah. Who uh, blames Georgie for the death of her uh, of her parents. That was quite a good one. Yeah, yeah. That was one yeah. of the uh, first ones that kind of really made his uh, mm. sort of sit up and take notice, I guess. Because um, that had a lot of... Um, interesting uh, stuff in it uh, sort of plot wise and characterization wise and it kind of you know backtracked to the stuff about Georgie being um, you know losing his dad and it kind of felt like yeah, yeah. Full circle in that way 
but that is very much a sort of one-off that um, you know isn't kind of uh, that is all sort of resolved. And there's there's some interesting uh, threats in the series, things like the uh, the really surreal killer plants episode. <laughs> yes, yeah. Actually, that's a really good episode. That one. Mm. Um, yeah, I really thought so as well. I really like that one too. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of sort of threats that are quite disturbing in it. Yeah. Um, that I sort of feel that um, you know it does very much lend itself to that stuff we often talk about. Like we've even mentioned earlier in this episode about the very dark things that were acceptable in um, in Japanese entertainment aimed at kids, but not so much in the, in the West. You know. Yeah, sort of thing yeah. that would probably horrify uh, Western children, and it's kind of you know fairly run of the mill of these sorts of shows. <laughs> yeah, because that episode you talk about, like I say, that was the first like really good episode, and and, and I mm. had exactly the same experience of you. I think I was at that point where I was just a bit like, oh man, this is going to be a bit of a slog, slog yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and then and then like this episode comes along because like it starts off like right at the beginning. There's this. Um, there's this really kind of ominous music that plays while mm. the seeds are falling and the That's plants right. start to grow. Um, you know, and and like, I think there's a, there's a bit in it where um, they start eating Andro. It's one of those things. It's got really good, like tension. It's quite mm. creepy. You know, it's dramatic. But you know, there's a couple like episode. Then like you've got episode eleven, which starts off with. Um, it's like I think I I think it's the, the the best episode in in the series. Um, but it starts off with um, Tekkerman fighting um, the Wilderstar. You know, it kind of jumps straight into action. There's this kind of really like horrific screams of the Wilderstar as they're being killed. <laughs> it's really, really like um, uh, oh, it's just you know, it's um, it's one of those things. Kind of yeah, nightmarish. It's one of those things. <laughs> it is nightmarish. It's one of those things that kind of sends a bit uh, sends a bit of a shiver down your spine. You know, uh, and there's, there's a kind of whole like way sort of Joji like discrimi- uh, discriminates against uh, aliens and stuff. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a really 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 good episode. And then then you've got like thirteen, eighteen, and nineteen that I've all got. You know, I've made notes of that. They're re- you know, all very very good episodes. And and episode thirteen like particularly is quite interesting because they launch this massive space fleet, and it's one of those things that kind of like don't kind of had seen that type of thing before and i always feel it's um and given that it's like pre-star wars as well yeah um, and with star wars fleets um it's one of those things that i you always wonder you know how influential these things are but it's one of those things that feels very much like you would see in the big space fleets during all of um gundam Mm -hmm. and like legend of the galactic heroes which kind of you know, it's a key part of the, you know the the warfare is that you know they have these massive space fleets that fight each yeah. other, um, and that scene in in episode thirteen very much feels like um you know a prototype and an, an idea that kind of got got built on. It's very very interesting, and there's a bit in there as well about this kind of space troop um, that Doctor Amici's and there's you know there's kind of warnings about it and stuff it's a it's a very and there's another very very good episode um yeah so it's not like it's all bad it's just yeah i feel like have... it peaks a bit too soon like you know these yeah. these episodes in the teens sort of um you know are the best ones you know like once you yeah get, you get past like the sort of mid portion there's not really a lot to look forward to i wouldn't say you know maybe the odd yeah the odd sort of uh plot beaten moment um, but really, I feel like all the best episodes are within the first, you know, like 13 episodes, really. 
Yeah. You know, after that, I'm kind of struggling a little bit to see the you know where the the best stuff comes in. Like it's there's a couple of there's a couple of um, slightly better action scenes I would say in some of the later episodes. Um, yeah. And obviously you've got the stuff with Tadashi, which was somewhat interesting, but like I said, not developed enough, unfortunately. But it, there's just a lot of uh, things in it that you just make you sigh, unfortunately. You know, you, you see yeah. these things again and again, and you kind of, you know, you you get past a certain point in the show, and there's not really a lot of surprise in it, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's where I kind um, of struggled. Because... Mm. It's not a typical monster of the week show, like no. a lot of shows that were going on around it. Um, it does have some quite inventive kind of baddies, you know, the, the you know that um, kind of like you know the Walder style, the Gander Space Ninjas, um, yeah. in the way they infiltrate bases and stuff. Um, you know, like I say that this kind of ongoing battle of conscience that Andrew Omega and Mutan have about, you know ditching the humans and stealing their tech to go back to Sanos and, and everything. Yeah. They have a couple of opportunities to um yeah. to, to sort of use a Walderstar ship and then go off to their own planet. Um but they obviously think better of it and decide to help uh, Georgie and Co. Yeah. And there's um some some bits as well, let's say episode eighteen and nineteen, which I, I thought were very good episodes. Um there's like episode eighteen starts with this thing about there's only kind of like 10 years of food left. Um, yes, I've forgotten about the that Walderstar- one. Yes, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, you know, the Walderstar then destroy all these food ships. Um, you know, it's kind of very, it feels very, um, especially when you would see through the 80s, like, you know, what was happening in Ethiopia and the drought and the, mm. and, and all the famines starting to affect, um, you know, the, the South Africa, you know, the African continent and stuff. It does kind of feel very um, prescient in, in some of the, you know, sort of real world things that we tackle now. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh... I mean, the way that the uh, the ideas about the the sort of Earth, um, the second Earth project are, are approached in the last uh, in the last sort of handful of episodes were quite good. I felt. Yeah. But um, again, like a sort of like a small kind of highlight in what I sort of when I because I do very much feel that the earlier ones were were a lot better. But I had I had forgotten about that one, and that is quite a good one actually, because it's it definitely it definitely um, how can I put it? It sort of highlights the plight and the kind yeah. of main the main sort of uh, it very much brings back the opening episodes, which were very much focused on the efforts to uh, to find a new home for for Earth and how just how dire everything is. Yeah, it sort yeah. of brings that back into focus when it hadn't been a focus for for quite a long time. Mm, In fact, it yeah, reminds absolutely. me a little bit. It reminds me a little bit of uh, of Yamato. You know the way that um, it the show keeps on reminding you in every mm. episode of how many days Earth has left until it's until it's completely uninhabitable. Um, that those kind of uh, themes about just how dire the situation is, because um, it it doesn't. You know, there's there's little pockets of that throughout the show, but when it focuses on it, I feel like it does it it does a quite quite good job with that. Yeah. Yeah, and because um, it it still sits in this kind of air of sort of nuclear paranoia, um, mm. like a lot of uh, you know a lot of sort of especially sci-fi kind of anime did, um, based on you know Japan's history and stuff. But um, yeah, like I said, I think Yamato, I think it's like I think it's spot on there because I I thought the same that you know it's it's very much got that 
that thing of this the earth in peril which you know you saw which again Yamato only a few years beforehand um so it's uh it, yeah it's but you're right it does keep kind of bringing it and reminding you of um of it so yeah uh, definitely yeah when it when it's doing that it it often is one of the strongest sort of themes of the show i would say um it's it definitely does a good job of sort of uh of that of that kind of thing the thing is there are some other things in there that i did uh, that find frustrating the the whole you know this thing of um when he uses the volk tecker and it exposes him and 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 he's got a power limit yeah it's massively underused and now whether it was going to be used and become more of a a plot point yeah in, you know the second 26 episodes which mm-hmm. i think might have been the case but um it's, they do it, seem it, to it's, use it more as it goes towards the end, don't they? Mm. So. But it does feel like something that there was there was much more to be dug into a bit earlier there, I think. Um, yeah. Which I think could have helped move the story on a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the whole thing with the Vault Sector as well is that it kind of paints the picture that once the uh, time limit has run out, he's pretty much doomed. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that is not actually the fact in the show. He just kind of loses... You just can't lose his power and it's kind of floating in space and needs to be rescued, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, I yeah. mean, to be fair, though, the um, the subtitles that we watched this with weren't the best, so maybe that no. didn't, didn't necessarily come across too well in the translation, but it's perhaps a bit more complex than that. But, um, but yeah, it does seem to sort of suggest that he's he's kind of pretty much doomed if he, if he runs out of power, which mm. is not really the case. He's just kind of more becomes a... A sort of human who can survive in space and float around till he's rescued. <laughs> yeah, and and again, I, I completely agree because that that feels like something else that was just kind of massively kind of built up and then didn't really follow through on. Mm. Um, and the, the the peril and like what the the after effects of that um, could have been um, just yeah yeah just underused. The the remake Tekken Blade very much focuses on the fact that. The, the central character um, is very much, uh, you know, he's he's terribly afflicted by using his powers and mm, becoming a tech yeah. to a point where it really starts to like affect his not only his lifespan but by the end of the show even his sanity. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's actually wears on his mind and his body. So it, that's all. They've obviously went, you know, they've advanced. They've in the in the remake, you know, they've really went down that route. Mm. And kind of uh, done a lot with that, perhaps realizing that it wasn't, you know, as prevalent as it could have been in this. Yeah. But you know, it, it's another thing that you you often see in a lot of the um, in a lot of old anime, and and speci- specifically in a lot of the t- Tokusatsu shows, like things like Ultraman. There is a power limit to a lot of these sort of mm. super powered characters. You know, there's there's often like a timer sort of running down to when they're gonna not be able to fight anymore. But yeah, that that yeah. can be a really good plot device for like urgent fights where the hero's got to finish the fight quickly and i thought they were going to do that and this i thought they were going to have you know like he's got like you know so many minutes to beat the world star yeah yeah so he has to be really creative yeah. with the way he takes them out but it doesn't really happen does it it's not no no it doesn't at all no no it's very it is very frustrating in that in that respect um yeah they could have dug into some some of those ideas and, and expanded them much much more it, all this stuff adds to that um, yeah. frustration that you know it didn't move on, it didn't really expand these ideas where it could have got good. It what's frustrating is, like I say, there was those good episodes, but it never builds on it. 
you know what I mean? It's yeah, just these exactly. kind of real peaks. It's not like it's at this high level and gets better. Mm. It's just that it's it's just a bit crap. And then it just like occasionally it's just really, really good. And then it just goes mm. being crap for a few episodes. And then it's kind of good. And then it's just crap for a few episodes. <laughs> if you were you to know. draw a diagram, you know, like a sort of waveform, it would be yeah. like it would be just like, you know, almost dead and completely straight for ages and then the big spike and then a yeah. tiny little one and <laughs> yeah, and then exactly just dead and like straight that, yeah. for ages. <laughs> flatlining. Heartbeat slowly flow exactly slowly <laughs> flatlining until it just pulled the plug on it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is exactly what it feels like happens at the end. They just pull Yeah, the well plug. it does, exactly. Yeah. Um you know, sort of uh, a bit too uh, a bit too quickly. Um, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I've seen a show where it has just pulled the plug on like that. I'm trying to remember. I've watched lots of shows that have been cancelled, but none that ended quite like that. I would um, very, I would be very interested to to know the events surrounding the the lead up to the cancellation because, mm. like I say, many other shows would have just sort of rushed towards the final confrontation or you yeah. know, had because. The very fact that Dobry is never confronted and it's and even well even um, even Rambos isn't confronted. No, no. He's about to confront him when the series ends. And yeah. He's rushing towards him with the attack uh, lancer, and they're like you know ready to strike, and it literally mm. just you know stops there. So I'm wondering whether they got the they thought there was more episodes to go, and the the plug was pulled completely. When they were sort of mid-production on on a on another episode, it definitely feels like that. Because um, otherwise, it definitely, why definitely would they feels have like that? Wrap yeah. things up like that little bit earlier and had the uh, the Dobry confront the the Rambos and Dobry yeah. confrontation that little bit earlier. Yeah, because it, it definitely definitely feels like that. It definitely feels they made that episode mm. not knowing that it was about to end. Yeah, the, perhaps the, the fate was already sealed, and the people who were making the. Uh, decisions with the money had, uh, had already decreed there wasn't going to be any more but uh, they didn't actually tell the people who were making the episodes until yeah. after this one was made or when it was already in production you know because given that these things are kind of made in episodes are literally made in the weeks before it airs um, you know it definitely kind of feels like they had coming up to you know they had 25 in the can and you know they were at episode kind of 24 and then it was just like no it's just it's you know we're dying in the ratings we're just gonna pull the plug um yeah. stop this go and work let's go and work on something else sort of thing it definitely definitely feels like that's very strange very very very, strange. very much so yeah um but like you say there is absolutely no resolution to any of the story um yeah in it so i mean we should definitely... point out that they do acquire the uh the the leap flight machine that's right. They do actually acquire the leap flight machine, which is kind of again, which is kind of where you can kind of see with like um, Tadashi and um, everything. You can see, you know, there are hints of where the second half of the series mm. is going. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think had that um, had it been a much longer show, there was definitely some room for it to grow and improve in the second mm. half. Um, I feel like had it been a fifty-two episode show. Hopefully it would have been, you know, a much better show in its second half, and it would have run with a lot of the themes and things that it had, that it had kind of gestated. And yeah. Really but I don't know. Maybe it would have faltered just the same and had uh, just as big flaws and just double the episode count just to get to slug. I, I I just yeah. I mean my my <laughs> view is that the fact that that yeah. I mean 
Exactly. I think the the fact that we had twenty six average episodes as well. If effectively we had five good episodes out of twenty six, and the the way it was paced and and the story was written, I you know I, I, I as I said, I can see where the story was potentially going to go in those final twenty six episodes, or those second set of twenty six episodes. But I, I I wouldn't have, to be honest, had much confidence that it was going to get no. much better. No, same here. I mean. I can honestly say it's one of the hardest slogs for a 26-episode mm. show that I've ever experienced. I mean, I've watched a lot of a lot of shows of that sort of length, and mm. um, yeah, Gatcha Man has 100 has around 105 episodes, something like that. And you know, there are a lot of uh, repeated themes in it. There are a lot of mm. sort of threats of the week, a lot of big kind of you know sort of mega ships, and a lot of uh, you know a lot of plots repeat themselves. Yeah, but it's just a re- such a really good quality that it keeps you engaged throughout. And and I never had um, any sort of uh, issues with uh, with the pacing of it through all that. But with this, it's for only twenty six yeah. episodes. It is a real, real slog. Yeah, it was it was hard work. Yeah, yeah. There's no no two ways about it. I mean, I don't think I've got much more to add to the main review. Um, I think I've said everything that I want to say about it. Is there anything you further? Is there anything you want to add further, Craig? No, I think we should uh, probably move on to talking about the characters and, and yeah. go on to, uh, to discuss our overall thoughts, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right, so let's talk about some of the characters a little bit. So let's start with, with our main protagonists, Joji and Co. So Joji is um, he's very much your uh, pretentious, hot-headed anime hero isn't he yeah absolutely i mean you could say he's quite typical in some ways <laughs> it definitely matches the sort of hot-headed archetype often so he's seen in yeah. like uh in mega shows and he often doesn't take people's advice you know another thing we've seen yeah. countless times but he does have a strong sense of justice and he's always mm, he's always looking so. out for yeah. people but yeah. sometimes you do wish he would take other people's advice on board and actually listen to people who are a bit wiser than him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. the very crux of his character, I mean, he's he's quite reckless. I mean, the, the very first yeah. episode, I don't believe we mentioned this in the first episode review, but the Tekaman system, the Tekseta system is untested and could actually kill yes. you if you don't have the, the correct sort of wavelength that we were talking mm. about. Um, and therefore... Trying to become a Tekaman using the Chamber and Pegasus is a massive risk unless you've been tested to see if you've got this wavelength. That's right, yeah. But he just jumps in there, absolutely, like, you know, completely confident he's going to be able to become one. And thankfully, luckily for him, he's, he's able to because yeah. he does have that sort of wavelength that they're, that they're looking for. <laughs> but he could have easily just, Pegasus' doors could have opened and there could have been a corpse lying there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. So yeah, yeah he's just he's a... very reckless and often doesn't take the advice of other people. Um, Amachi's warnings are, are often like, you know, tell them yeah. to do this and that and he just goes and does it anyway. Yeah, he just does, yeah, exactly. Dr. Amachi is always telling him not to do something. And he, and Hiromi as well is, is always kind of berating him and saying you shouldn't have done this and shouldn't do that. And, and still, his relationship with Andre Umeida as well, um, she's often trying to kind of reconcile and yeah. say you should give him a chance and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And he just ignores it. Um, yeah. And and he has this ongoing feud with, with Andre Umeida. And as we've discussed, you know, unfortunately that just does get a bit tiresome about his character. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is quite annoying, uh, especially when 
a resolution comes and then that's just sort of sidestepped in a future episode. So his, his yeah. character writing's kind of bad in many ways. He also has pretty amazing hair that sticks outwards in like three directions. Yes. You know, it goes yes. out on either side <laughs> and then at the top. It's like a yeah. sort of, almost like a star do. <laughs> it's kind of got like three points to it. It's crazy. It's like the top of a Christmas yeah. tree or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is quite severe, isn't it? It's, it's quite funny, isn't you, it? You yeah. wonder how much lacquer he uses every day, you know, to get it like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but speak, speaking of hair, uh, we should uh, also talk about Andro. <laughs> yes, because Andro does sport, you know, the classic, you know, 70s, like, Afro do, doesn't he? Indeed, Which yeah. is, you know, another very, very spectacular. I think even give... Um, Cosmo from Midian, um, a run for his money because you know Cosmo sports a, a very very uh, funky afro as well. Indeed. Um, the other thing with Andro I, I, is um, he has this power to kind of um, teleport, and he does this really kind of like groovy kind of pose. Yeah, it's almost like a sort of disco teleport. pose. Disco isn't it? pose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like always cracks him up every time yeah. I say it. It's just like he, he strikes this pose. And then teleports, and it's just like, and you just expect him to kind of go groovy, you know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'll have some sort of catch, some sort of disco-related catchphrase. <laughs> catchphrase. <laughs> but also, when he does this, he can he can also um, sort of like when he turns it in this kind of energy form and he teleports. There's mm. also scenes where he's fighting aliens who also have an energy form, mm. and the yeah. wizard around is these kind of energy bolts. And they're, they're supposedly kind of, you know, fighting each other. The energy bolts are colliding and stuff. And then yeah. he'll turn back into his human form and the other the other alien will turn back into its more humanoid form and it'll be defeated or something. So it's quite an interesting thing, but it's not often used. I suppose it feels like it's used a bit more in the early episodes, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, I mean, his, his whole character is that he carries this great sadness over what happened to his home planet and the yeah. fact that it was invaded by the Waldestar. And there's an episode where Rambos tries to pretend that he'll free his people if he yeah, sort of complies yeah. with, and you're just like, oh mm. man, you, considering the amount of times you've told Georgie he's being stupid for believing something, and now you're going and doing that as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he does, um, he does seem to be a bit cold and cynical when mm. he's talking about, you know, Earth's fate and stuff, which is why in the early episodes, to a degree you can see why Georgie doesn't trust him a little bit. When they first meet and he's talking about the Earth's fate, he seems a bit detached. Yeah. But as we get along, you know, that's just the, the way he sort of discusses things. He's got like a quite rational and almost cold-hearted, detached view of things, the way he discusses them. Yeah. And that's just his character. Obviously, Georgie never quite gets that through his head and keeps on getting aggravated by the things he says. But he isn't cold. He's just kind of, you know, he's just kind of analytical, I suppose. Yeah. And he does, and he does pine for his home planet. Um, yeah. And I think, I mean, I think he's the the most interesting character, Andre mm. Mada. Um, and Definitely. and this kind of, you know, ongoing sort of battle of conscience about does he help? Does he go back? Does he mm. do this? Does he do that? I think is one of the only things that I well actually I would say is probably the most interesting thing through the series. Mm. Yeah, um, I, would, I would definitely say so as well. And you can kind of really understand, and it's and like you say, there's there is a coldness to it, um, and it's a really it's actually out compared to how Joji's character is written, you know, this the very hot head and and very and feels very especially when you look at it back, you know, fifty years later, um, and have seen everything else, and I mean, even then in the mid seventies, you could watch stuff you can watch before that, and you can start to see that pattern. Yeah. forming um you, you couldn't even see it in 
quite clearly in Gatchaman that it's it's already a bit of a trope by the mid seventies, and then he's just kind of like, oh well, Joji's just you know the standard hot-headed main protagonist. But Andrew character, his whole his persona and the way he, you know his sadness, which you can really feel with him sometimes. You know, there's like real depth to mm. to Andrew. I feel, um, which I say his his background, his story. I think is is the real highlight of the of the series. It's the one real kind of shining star amongst all the you know the, the clouds around and the murk around it yeah i feel like one of the reasons for mutan's existence the little sort of mascot alien mm. character is so that he can have conversations with mm. with andro about his planet rather than you having these scenes where andro's having flashbacks or you know or he's yeah. having a, in a yeah. monologue or something you've got a yeah. character who can discuss it with him because he's also from the planet of sano as well so you get these scenes where they're, they're both kind of, you know, pining for the home planet and sort of thinking about, you know, what, what happened there. Yeah. And the fact that they're wondering if they'll ever get back to it one day. Mutant, he's basically like often a plot device. You know, he has he has an ability or something that you've not seen before that he suddenly breaks out yeah. to, first to, to help, like, sort of save the day and kind of resolve the plot of whatever yeah. episode uh, we have. So... I should go back to Andrew for one second as well. He has some of the weirdest facial expressions in the show as well. Mm. There are really, scenes, really strange. There are yeah. scenes where he's he's kind of really bug-eyed for no apparent reason. Yeah. It's kind of like <laughs> if he realizes something, or he's or he's just got a close-up on him, he'll just have these kind of really starey eyes for a second. Yeah. And sometimes yeah, yeah. the way it's drawn can actually be quite unintentionally funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can be drawn. In, yeah, he does have. He is drawn in a very weird way at some points. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I feel Doctor Amachi and Hiromi. I, I, they they kind of they just feel like bog standard characters. Um, mm. They're, they're very um, they're very exposition they're very generic characters, aren't they? Yes, kind of yes. fulfill the exposition role of telling you what's mm. going on. Doctor Amachi especially is very very much Mister Exposition. Mm. Um, isn't he? So uh, yeah, he's the stoic, calm leader figure, and mm. uh, and the exposition giver of, you know, Waldeser have this plot where they're doing this and that. We need to do this, and he does often outline the kind of premise of uh, of the episode and you know what you kind of let yeah, yourself in yeah. for really. And Hiromi is a bit of a non-character in many ways. You know, she's mm. at times it felt like they just put her in there to round out the cast and have a female character. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah. there's this thing with the female characters in this show where they're like ridiculously glam. She has like sort of really kind of shiny like lip gloss and you know like perfect hair and like you know eyeshadow and stuff. And she's always like that no matter what happens. You know, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no sort of realism to it. And I suppose a lot of animation, a lot of cartoons are like that. You know, mm. you don't get that sort of thing. But but there's one thing that really did bother us a little bit, and that's. The episode where there's the alien girl who looks human, um, she's washed up on the shore, mm. and she's got completely perfect makeup on, despite the <laughs> fact she's been like, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's a scene where she's recovering in the hospital bed, like, uh, you know, hours later, and she just looks perfect again, like, you know, perfect hair and perfect lipstick and makeup, exactly like her own yeah. all the time, and that really made us laugh, it was just like, what? <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. the, the, all they had to do was draw without any kind of, uh, you know, makeup. Yeah, so yeah. It's just such a strange thing. But I feel like she is there to be the sort of pretty. Mm. Oh, know, that, very of much so. 
and maybe yeah, just round very... out the the male cast, you know, and kind of have yeah, a female yeah. character in there. I mean, even as far back as the as the seventies, there's a lot of strong female characters in anime. Mm. But uh, this definitely isn't one of those cases. I mean, a lot of Tatsunoko shows have some great female characters. I mean, uh, Luna and Kishan's quite a good example. And, well, I was just going to say, Jun um, and Gachaman as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, Go Upper Five Godan, which came, you know, mm. after this, you know, was the first mecha show to have a female lead in it um, as well. So, mm. you know, they were. Um, you know, did uh, Tatsunoko did kind of promote those kind of female characters in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. But yeah, but here it's just uh, it's just uh, yeah, very much a, a filler. I mean, she does token. sometimes get involved in the action and like can can you know mm. sort of somewhat hold her own. But I feel like that they've just not really done a lot to develop her as a character. It's not really given a lot of no. backstory or anything like no, that. No. No. Um, no. So it's yeah, she just just feels a bit kind of ancillary I suppose and a bit um, like she doesn't really need need to be there it's, it's a little bit disappointing really and in many ways the same could be said about our antagonists because Dobre and Rambos are, are so so one dimensional very much so um, I mean in this... Rambos is very much like you sort of he's got more in common with a lot of uh, western cartoon characters you mm. know the kind of chuckling yeah, sort of whiny, chuckling. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's always sort of like laughing, and he's he's got mm. a lot of comedic actions. You know, he's always running around like his backside's on fire. You know, like he's and he's 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 got a lot of very sort of zany movements and things. You know, it's very cartoonish yeah. the way he moves, and he's he's laughing everything. I mean, there's there's like this weird scene in one of the episodes where he's where he's kind of asleep in bed and he he gets up and puts his kind of uniform on. And it's and there's a lot of things that are played for laughs with him where he's kind of yeah, running around yeah. like you know really manic, yeah. and it's very cartoonish and not mm. like Tatsunoko's other work in some ways you know. And Dobre is we... the the very is a very typical mastermind kind of mm. tentacled floaty alien thing. Yeah, because <laughs> it's one of those things, isn't he? It's a bit like with Gatchaman, you know, he just kind of appears, doesn't he? And he's there. And as we said in the main series of you, this constant rinse and repeat of. Rambos failing, getting berated and kind of tortured in places by Dobre and then given another chance for it to just happen, you know. That's all there is to those characters. You know, there's there's yeah, kind of nothing nothing else to it at all. So Absolutely. I mean we discussed other shows where there's there's a bit more to those relationships mm. that are interesting, but um in this it is literally just that, as you've said. Yeah. It's a very weak set of um you know, uh, antagonists, I think, um, which doesn't really help with the enjoyment of the show, you know, or the engagement of the show, you know, actually kind of getting you gripped and getting you in and, and doing something interesting, you know, you lose interest very quickly. Yeah, I mean, especially coming um, off the back yeah. of Dan Cougar, which had this, this mm. fantastic selection of yes. characters where there was a real hierarchy to the sort of villainy. Yeah. And, you know, there was all this backstabbing and treachery and going mm. back and forth between all the characters who wanted their sort of shot in the limelight. And then we're going to this, which is very one-dimensional. So yeah, it's it, yeah. it definitely does stand out as being a very big weak point, I think. Yeah, yes. So not a certainly not a stellar cast of um, characters, really, um, compared to a lot of shows. We've uh, certainly compared to a lot we've reviewed uh, on the podcast so mm. far. Yeah. All right, so let's move into our usual discussion kind of about the production and the animation and mecha design and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, 
the first thing I'm going to uh, sort of bring up here is one of the most obvious things is is really just how much Tekkerman character designs and music kind of just look like and sound like Gatchaman. It's unsurprising given how much of the production staff mm. and the creative staff worked on both those shows, but um, even compared to like Kashan and Polymer, like you know Joji is just you know he is just a Gatchaman character. It was almost one of those things, because I watched Gatchaman only a few years ago in its entirety, it was one of those things that was really, really kind of stark. It was just like, mm. actually, this looks... Yeah. And then the music as well is almost... It's the same kind of beats, the same... don't quite know how to describe it, really. Sort of trumpeting alert music. You know, yeah, it's very... Really. It's kind of conducted and written in exactly the same way as the music is in, in Gatchaman. It was really... Uh, you know, when you watch a film with like your favorite actors and stuff in it and it's the same people um but it's different it's like watching a spaghetti western that's got um Ennio Morricone soundtrack and Clint Eastwood in it and then they make another film that isn't maybe quite a western yeah. but it's something similar and you watch it and you're going oh yeah it's the same people but in a slightly different context it's like yeah, it was that kind of it was that kind of feeling with it you know it's mm. uh Compared to a lot of other stuff, it was it was one of those things that really kind of was. Um, it was like they literally redrew um, the Gatchaman characters in it. You know, even Tadashi is almost the spit of Jinpei from from Gatchaman mm. as well. It's um, yeah. it was kind of unsettling almost just how much it looked. Uh, it looked like it. That's Bob's part of uh, Tekkerman's problem is that it's you know some of. It has a couple of its own ideas that are quite good, never really develops them well enough. And a lot of the stuff that's there is a bit too familiar or a bit too overused. And it doesn't yeah, have yeah. enough of its own identity. Although, you know, because it's a sort of cyber suit, uh, powered suit sort of show, that makes it quite different in some ways to some of the other stuff that we've discussed. Not the Tatanoga stuff, but, you know, some of the other stuff we've discussed so far. Yeah. Um, which should should in some ways make it a bit more refreshing, but it just has too much repetition, unfortunately, and that in the, that comes through in the look of it as mm. well. If you're familiar with Tatsunoko stuff, you know it's it's definitely far from their uh, from their best, and it's definitely not. It doesn't stand yeah. out enough with its own identity, unfortunately. You know, Joji is literally Ken, but with the weird hair that you described mm. yeah. earlier. So, um, and perhaps a bit of the recklessness yeah. of Joe. <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah, exactly. With the recklessness of Joe, yeah, very, very true. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, but I think also from a production point of view, it's you know we talked in the main review about how like Tekkerman, um sort of crashes, doesn't actually fight. Um, that's similar to the point you made as well about the characters where. Like Andro, you made him, and you know, he fights as a an energy ball, mm. which is very easy to animate, you know, because they're not fists and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it does feel in the animation, which I think is even by mid seventies standards, feels a bit basic. Um, yeah, definitely. And it definitely feels they took some shortcuts as mm. well. It's it's strange because there's not like painful amounts of reuse in the show. Mm. Yet the animation shortcomings are still kind of bad. Like, yeah. it's because we're, I mean, obviously, being the sort of show it is, in transforming into Tekken in every episode, obviously, you have the reuse of that. 
you have yeah. reuse of shots like Pegasus emerging from the ship and they use this sort of ramp thing to launch the Blue Earth, the spaceship, then mm. they go into space within every episode, so that's reused. So you get all the typical reuses that we always talk mm. about with mecha shows, like obviously you'd stand in mecha show and have transformations and things. So that sort of stuff you would expect, so that's not a criticism. But yeah, the and the animation reuse really isn't a point of contention in this. It's just some of it just feels a bit sloppy in general, you know. Yeah. Like you said, you know the the fact that a lot of it feels like things being flung around in the fights, uh, Andros, the use of the NG things and all sorts of things like that. And there's there's a lot of stuff that just feels a bit shoddy, I would say, especially for Tatsunoko, yeah. who mm. had a pretty good track record, I would say, for yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. I mean, you know, like, considering some of the shows that, that uh, me and you like, you know, we've there's definitely some really good quality stuff in there in terms of animation and they've obviously mm. well storyboarded, well planned and then well animated and this just isn't the case with this though it does feel like maybe they had even though some of the staff were were the same um you know perhaps some of the animation uh perhaps there were some issues you know getting it ready on time yeah. and stuff like that might have been scheduling thing uh possibly um you know these shows are were churned out at the end of the day yeah it just it kind of smacks of cheap um i i feel mm. um, you know it's definitely not um, up to the normal standard no, and things like Tekkerman when he's fighting, you get this kind of all he kind of gets is this kind of echoey ooh sound, which I'll I'll put a sound clip in yeah. now just so you can get an example of it. it again, it just feels a bit lacklustre, and it doesn't add any drama. You know, it doesn't add any weight. It, it you know, it makes these kind of lackluster action scenes feel more lackluster you know mm. there's no there's no oomph to it at all so it's it's real disappointing um because the thing is like in the first episode there's this bit where the water star first attack and they're kind of like slicing the ship up and you get these cutaways mm. of the ship so like you know and that fight between joji and andre Omeda, i mean it's kind of like they put quite a bit of effort into that first mm. episode yeah and then didn't really bother for the rest, you know, for the rest of the series. Mm. Yeah, I um, agree. It does. It does feel very sloppy in places, especially since I've come to expect quite a high level of, of mm. animation production from Tatsunoko. Mm, um, and I've seen, and I've, I think I've seen, you know, all, most of you know what they did in that era. So it did stand out as being a little bit disappointing to me. And perhaps my expectations were a little bit high um, because I love Tekken Blade, the successor, mm. so much. I was trying to judge it on its own merits, of course, and you know, and obviously it's was made a long time ago, but still, it it still sort of just felt a little bit uh, of a letdown in the animation department, and I kind of yeah, was definitely. trying to be just trying not to be too hard on it because it's it's quite an old show now, but. You know when it's when it's other contemporaries and things that were made by the same people are so much better. It feels like I've got to judge it on that basis. You can only judge mm. it on that basis of what we're familiar with. Yeah, yeah, and I think as you look back, yeah, I kind of have to look at it where it was in its context. Mm. You have seen all this other stuff since, like you say, you know, when you are when you are familiar with what came before, and like you have seen most of the back catalogue before. Take a minute, Tetsunoko's take back catalogue before Tekken, it's kind of like yeah it just it was a bit of a misstep from um, 
Tatsunoko it it really was um but the one thing though I will say is I did like the music in it I thought Mm. you know one of the best things from a production point of view was the music um yes it very much sounded like the music from um Gatchaman but I liked Gatchaman's music as well so (laughs) so, I quite uh, like the uh the Walderstar theme that's that's yeah it has a bit of a sort of b-movie kind of twinkly Mm. sort Mm. of feel to it um and there's this there's this quite grave theme that plays all the time when things are quite grim. You know, when yeah, the, yeah. when the heroes are discussing um, you know, how things aren't going so well or there's like a new sinister plot, they'll they'll uh, use that and, and sometimes it's used to, it's overused a bit too much unfortunately. There are some scenes where it's it's almost a bit it's it's yeah, almost kind yeah, of funny because yeah. it's a bit over dramatic. They, yeah. they put it over some conversations where it could probably do without it being there. Yeah, yeah, but um, but I do like the piece of music though. I just think that it's some it's not always used as best it could be, unfortunately. It's interesting. I think the Tekkerman's design because that I think was quite unique, and that I think is probably one of the things that's actually held. I think that's one of the things that's why it's still kind of relevant today. Because I think that Tekkerman's designed with like the double lance. It was built on a night, meant to be a space night and everything. Yeah. So I think that kind of armour and the suit of armour with the lance, um, I think he's still quite iconic design. It got cancelled. But obviously it was iconic enough to generate Tekkerman Blade, which was then successful enough to spawn Tekkerman Blade 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and also obviously was an influence on Masami Abari, which because, you know, Detonator Organs design is clearly, mm. clearly influenced oh, yeah. um, from Tekkerman as well. Definitely, um, he has he very much has the sort of knight motif, and you know the sort of big lance and things, and the head design is is quite reminiscent of both a knight's kind of armor and tegumens. Because obviously, you know, Masami Abari did the opening credits for Tekken Blade, and then you know some unused designs from Tekken Blade would go into Detonator Organ. The Evoluders um, were basically unused designs from the production or the pre-production of. Tekkerman Blade so it's quite an obvious thing where Ibari got involved in that and that carried on and obviously had a direct influence in the in the pre-production of Detonator Organ as well so yeah um, and like you we discussed at the beginning of the episode the design has been used again and again you know we've seen mm. I mean Tatsunoko have done a lot of uh, art shows they've produced a lot of merchandise and art books and things a lot of action figures and stuff yeah. They've they've had a lot of video games, um, mm. and and Tekkerman's original design uh, has popped up again and again. A lot of these spin-off projects like Infinity Force uh, that we discussed, which is kind of like a celebration of Tatsunoko's history. So there's an iconic aspect to mm. to his look and design, and it's like you say, the influence has, has definitely been felt by other designers. And I think that is the strongest thing about the show. I think he mm. does have quite a cool design, and. Obviously, a lot of those elements lent themselves well to the modern update. Tekkerman Blade shares a lot of elements that they come from the original show. It has Pegasus, it has the uh, Tech Lance, and that sort of thing. There's definitely some building blocks of, of evolutionary stuff that would go on to be used again that are quite cool. But it, but unfortunately, the the soul of the show is kind of somewhat missing. Yeah, and it's quite interesting as well when you look at like Rambus's ship, which has that. It's that very multicoloured kind of thing, much like what you would see in kind of like Zambot 3. You know, there was that big thing sort of in sort of mid-70s, the super robot stuff, where especially 
with the um, antagonist side, you know, it would be very, very colourful, multicoloured, mm. very brightly coloured. Um, and I think it was kind of like, it is meant to be a kid's show, so it needs to, you know, we'll kind of offset the kind of terror and scariness by making it brightly coloured. But I always feel it's one of those things that just, I can understand why it's there, but it's one of those things that always kind of feels a little bit at odds. Rambos is his whole comic look and his bug you know and his bright colors and then this brightly colored multicolored spaceship um you know with the threat it always feels a little bit at odds with me um, yeah I know what you mean. and i know i'm not the intended audience as a, you know as a middle-aged man but um it just it, it does kind of feel it does kind of feel odd mm, yeah especially when you've got the quite dark episodes that are a bit more mm, realistic and then exactly got, and you've yeah. got him chuckling comically sort of you know zipping about the place like uh <laughs> in a very sort of comic fashion yeah there's definitely yeah. some some quite tonally weird sort of uh, shifts in the, in that sort of way yeah and, and exactly and that's the the, the, the I was you know, point I was going to make as well is that you know I say with the tone of some of it it like the look and the antics and the, the bright colours just yeah it all they're very very odd bedfellows I feel mm. very very yeah, odd I would bedfellows agree with you there, definitely it's it's uh, it can be a little bit jarring in some ways. The one last thing from a production point of view that I do want to bring up in episode twenty two there is this big crab mecha mm. um, and when it transforms it transforms into a truck that is Optimus Prime. <laughs> it's got a red cabin with a silver trailer with a blue stripe. That goes along and kicks up at the back. It is basically Optimus Prime. Which is quite weird because uh, it, it was quite it's quite a while before uh, Shoji Kamabori yeah, designed long... Convoy Strong yeah. Optimus Prime, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's um. So I mean, did the truck exist at the time? Possibly, you know, the the one that it's based on. Maybe and it's just like maybe that sort of big rig kind of truck thing existed at the time, and it was it was just a sort of take off of that. I don't know. Yeah, but it's it is literally Optimus Prime. Perhaps Kawamori was a fan of this show. <laughs> yeah, and I and I and I can't help but think exactly that that Kawamori was watched Tekken and saw that episode and thought that's a cool truck design, you know. I'm sure and some years original, later, yeah, because he was the original toy designer, wasn't he? Even before the yeah, show, yeah. So yeah, it's um, that is quite an interestingly the weird sort of uh, thing that yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's, I, I can't believe that's an accident. I just I can't believe that's purely a coincidence. Well, it'd know. be interesting so, if yeah. he ever if he's if there's ever any interview where he talks about the influence for that. We'll have to see. So you yeah. heard it here first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you design? Did you base Optimus Prime's design on the crab mecha in Tekkerman? <laughs> <laughs> Seems unlikely, but <laughs> come on, we want to know. We want to know. It's important stuff. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that was the last thing I wanted to bring up in sure. relation to the production. So uh, I think we uh, get into our final thoughts, Craig.
So to wrap the review of Tekkerman up, I feel my reviews or my final thoughts are going to feel quite harsh, but overall I did find it very underwhelming for, for yeah. all the reasons we've talked about for the last you know hour or so. So it's down in like about a four for me because it's not mm. it's not absolutely terrible. You know, there were some really good episodes that did like the music. There is the iconic design, but not moving the story on characters that, that just did the same things over and over again. Yeah. Um, I can understand why it got cancelled, you know. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm the same. Because Tatsunoko is such an iconic studio mm. and produced, produced hit after hit, and because Blade is such a, it's a series that I mm. really enjoy. Yeah. Those things in mind, I was still trying to temper my expectations a little bit, and yet it still seemed to be a little bit disappointing. Yeah. So for that reason, I have to go with a very similar rate. I'd say like maybe 4.5. It's just not that enjoyable for a large portion no. of its running time. It, I think it's the sort of show that you know perhaps may have entertained younger viewers quite a bit, but as an older person and having seen some much better output from Tatsunoko and just much better anime in general. You've got to view it in the... Yeah, yeah, In, in exactly. context, alongside the sort of other legendary series that it rubs shoulders with, you know, it's just not quite as good as those shows. And for, yeah, that, for that reason, I'll, I have to say, yeah, about uh, the highest I can really give it is about a 4.5 because just a lot of its running time feels a bit wasted. My expectation was tempered because I knew it had been cancelled. I knew it was supposed to be 52 mm. episodes. I knew from when I started watching it on Anime Souls and then even then I was kind of not totally interested in it at the time. Um, and there was some frustrations with actually using Anime Souls as well, which was... Um, so it was kind of like, I didn't go in with it. I mean, I didn't appreciate it was just going to... That it just got cancelled without any kind of, of wrap-up. Um, yeah which it's difficult to group because that, that's kind of what happened. But as I say, it's just easy to understand why it got there. Mm. And like you say, there is that disappointment. Knowing how good other Tatsunoko output was, actually when I saw it and watched the, the full 26 episodes of it, it was like, yeah, they really missed a beat here. You know, they mm. really, really dropped the ball with something. And it's a shame, obviously, because Tekkerman was, the design was iconic enough to produce Tekken and Blade, and it's still relevant in all those the, the games and you know things like Infinity Force and whatever. Um, it's just a shame that they really misstepped so much with that original TV show. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, I was hoping for a feed or a predecessor that was perhaps not quite as good as its mm. uh, remake, but certainly you could see a lot of the the sort of iconic elements that made it, and some of those shine through, but just not enough of them, unfortunately, to further stand on its own. Yeah, yeah. It's a great piece of work, and it is a little bit disappointing, especially since I'm such a fan of the, some of the studios or their output, but it is what it is. Mm. Yeah. Not every yeah. show can it, be a gem, after all. No, no, and in every studio's, you know, going to misfire at some point along its, um, you know, given how high they've been running, you know, all the way back to um, Mark Go, 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 you know, mm. through Gatcha Man, through Kashan, you know, it, they were probably due a, a misfire at, uh, mm. at some point. If you look at how busy Tatsunoku was in the mid-70s and how busy Hiroshi, Sasagawa and um, Toriyumi were, it's maybe not surprising that actually, you know, this was the point where they stretched themselves too thin. Great idea, but then didn't quite get the right amount of attention in terms of writing and 
production and everything else because they were busy doing loads of other stuff yeah. at the same time. So it, it does kind of feel like it's yeah there was maybe some there was some factors like that possibly that um, that affected it. I can only think that production was a factor for some for the quality of this show. Mm. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. the way it sort of dwindles out and the way that it doesn't end properly would would suggest that there was definitely some things going on behind the scenes that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it. like you said it's for young people to enjoy, and it's like obviously young people didn't enjoy it in 1975, which is why it just cancelled. <laughs> obviously, not enough of them. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, it's a real shame. It's a real shame. Um, you know, I'm glad it's. You know, I'm glad it was there. I'm glad you know that it did spawn. Tickham and Blade. I'm glad that it did influence mm-hmm. Detonator Organ because Detonator Organ, as you know, most listeners know, is my favourite anime of all time. So I will always be hold a special place because without Tekkerman, then I certainly wouldn't have Detonator Organ. So and I couldn't be without Detonator Organ. And obviously, it's influenced because that whole power suit thing, you know, Sonic Soldier Borgman, a little bit. Mm. Uh, there was there was a really big eighties, especially. I think yeah. you did kind of see a real big kind of boom in that power suit, rather than Mecha. There mm. that the, the powered suit kind of Mecha. So, and I think a lot of that really does. I think Tekkerman really did lay the foundations for that. So while it isn't a good show, um, mm. it's kind of very important in its place and its influence in in anime production. Yeah, and I hope we'll get to talk about some of those other uh, shows in the future because mm. there, that's probably one of my favourite subgenres is the sort of powered suit, mm. cyber suit, alien yeah, suit yeah. sort of um, subgenre. There's such great shows in there to discuss, and they are quite different from some of the, uh, yeah, the shows yeah, we previously definitely. discussed. So yeah. it'll be really interesting to delve into some of those in the future, hopefully. Yeah, I think, yes, definitely. Review Tekken and Blade is something that I think we will definitely review at some point as well. Right, so... That does wrap up our review of Tekkerman the Space Knight. For the next episode, we are going to stay with Tatsunoko Productions and we are going to review Golden Warrior Gold Lighten, which is a mecha show about a Zippo lighter that turns into a robot. Um, it's a really, really interesting design so it's just one of again one of those oddities. You know, we talked before about the you know the breadth and some of the uniqueness in mecca you know and mm. people say oh mecca's all the same and it's like yeah, well it it's isn't, really you know? not it's really it's not really if not. you open your eyes and you know do a bit of research and look into what's out there the concept of this show is has long fascinated me it spawned loads of merchandise and it's yeah it, it was another one that popped up in tatanogo versus capcom strangely enough and i've never seen it but i am dying to check it out just because of the the weirdness of the premise yeah yeah I'm, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this one. This one, I've had this one when I first conceptualised the podcast, and I, again, like I did with retro anime podcasts, I had a handful of kind of shows that I wanted to review. This one, in that kind of initial ten things that I wrote down, it's um, funny because when I had we gold lighting. when we met up, when we first discussed the uh, possibility of the podcast, I'm sure that it came up in conversation. Yeah, it did. We did talk about it then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'd and I'd said the same thing then that it's one that I was really looking forward to getting to, but perhaps I would save it for the podcast, and that's exactly what I've done. But yeah, fascinating idea, and I'm I'm hoping uh, that I enjoy it as much as I enjoy the zany premise of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I think that could be a, a good one. So, right, where to find us? You can find us on X, um, <laughs> which formerly known as Twitter. So you can find us at Retro Mecca. You can find our blog, Retro 
mechapodcast.wordpress.com. Craig, uh, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at AnimeHeadsRetro. And you can also find me on WordPress at its uh, AnimeHeadsRetroWorld at WordPress.com. Okay, so you can find my other podcast, find it on X. That's going to take a while to get used to. You can find it on <laughs> X at Retro Anime. Um, both podcasts are hosted on SoundCloud, so find this podcast by searching for Retro Mecha Podcast. It's The RSS feed is on most podcasting hosting services, so just search for Retro Mecha Podcast and uh, you'll find it. And that brings us to a wrap, I think, Craig. Mm, so, indeed. Uh, Another interesting deep dive into mecha sure. history. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yes, um, we will see you all next time. Yep. See ya. Bye, everybody. The opening and closing theme music to the podcast is Molten Alloy from Purple Planet Music. All other music used within the podcast is copyrighted to its respective creators.